Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats from NC State University's Career Development Center, the only podcast dedicated to providing NC State students with current, relevant, and thought-provoking ideas that will challenge you to think about your future. Whether you want to know more about what hiring managers are really thinking, or you just need to hear an honest and encouraging story about overcoming obstacles to reach your goals, we've got you covered. Wolfpack Career Chats is just one of the many services we provide. Whether it's career fairs, on-campus interviews, co-op opportunities, or more, we are here for the pack. This is Ronnie Shaw with Wolfpack Career Chats, and today we have the Director of Regulatory Affairs at Appeal a sustainability company with the mission to work with nature to reduce food waste and create an abundance for all. Katie Davis. Welcome, Katie. Hi, Ronnie. Wonderful to meet you. Thanks for inviting me. It's wonderful to feel like a a piece from home. (laughs) Yes, of course. So can you start by telling us a little bit of an overview of your state, your path from state into your undergrad years um, and to now at Appeal? Yeah, sure. Um, Definitely. So I, um, like you, uh, born and raised in North Carolina. um, And I really early on knew that I was very interested in in being kind of in the sciences. I always was kind of outside exploring, loved science. At one point wanted to be a marine biologist, a veterinarian, Um, knew I wanted to be in science. And when it came time to pick a school, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do and was very fortunate to just end up attending a seminar. Um, Actually, NC State was traveling the state. Um, The College of Textiles was um, trying to recruit um, new undergraduate students and they came to my high school and did a presentation about all the possibilities of using material science to improve, you know, whether it's the fashion industry or medical devices. And I was just hooked. Um, And the presenter also talked about, you know, the need for more like women in science and in STEM programs. And I just thought, you know what, this just feels like the right next step. Um, That really led me to apply to NC State and kind of um, never look back. Yeah. And once I got there, um, you know, the great thing about NC State is there is so such a diversity in in the programs there. Um, And I really enjoyed um, what I was learning in the College of Textiles. Um, But I started to get more interested in the life science um, side of things. And I fortunately just signed up for a botany class. It was an extra elective um, that we we had. And that, I would say, kind of changed the course of my career. Um, I realized how kind of exciting plants were, how much possibility there was to use plants to transform um, the environment, the food industry, and how so many principles that plants use to protect themselves um, were things that we could actually apply to like many different challenges that that we were facing. And um, that really piqued my interest and I changed my major. (laughs) I I switched to biochemistry, um, got really interested in in biotechnology, um, side of plant science, I was fortunate enough while I was um, an undergrad to get a, um, a, a job at a company called um, BASF uh, there locally in the Research Triangle Park. Um, pretty fortunate in that area around NC State. There's a lot of industry, especially agriculture. So there was um, a lot of opportunities available. Um, I joined BASF, um, worked in their plant science department, and just started to see that was really the first time I saw you know, science applied to addressing real world challenges. And that 
um, led me to a career um, in, in agriculture and in food science. Um, I spent a year at BASF um, and then just across the street, actually, um, was another company called Syngenta and they were working on developing um, new genetically modified crop varieties. They were addressing a variety of challenges from like pest pressure um, that really impacts and decimates you know, our important food staple crops to water usage and making crops more um, like water use efficient. And I just saw the possibilities there and I thought, wow, I would love to be a part of that. I would love to be a part of developing something that's having such a great impact um, on the food system. And joined Syngenta um, after about a year of BASF and I spent the next 13 years there. Um, I, I thought I would be there forever, <laughs> actually. Um, love the work, love the company. Um, while I was there, I held various roles in product safety and um, regulatory affairs. And what really led me to, um, to a passion in that kind of very specific part um, of the industry was um, I love telling the story of technology. I think there's, you know, the science behind things is often like very um, misunderstood and not told in a way that's relatable. Um, and I love that part of it. And being in regulatory, you get to do that. You get to tell kind of like the safety and the innovation side of um, new products to the world, specifically to regulators um, for risk assessment purposes. But that gets you know, translated out um, in terms of what the value of that technology is. And I, I loved that. Um, and I also felt like it was a part of the, the world that's just very misunderstood. Um, even now, being in the food industry for so long, I realize there's still so much I don't know. Um, and that kind of inspired me just to stay. Um, there's, there's so many big challenges and there's so much um, that the people don't know about where their food comes from and how it's produced and uh, so much opportunity. So that's really what led me to stay there. Um, like I mentioned, I thought I would be there forever. Um, and then an opportunity came up um, actually with a company called Appeal Sciences. While I was at um, Syngenta, I decided to go back um, to business school. I went back to NC State to get, a, to get an MBA. Um, I loved the science side of it, but I realized working, um, you know, kind of in industry that you, you see that there's lots of great ideas out there, but a lot of them really never come to market. And part of that is bad business decisions. And so I realized kind of the impact of, you know, those choices and how they're made and how it really can impact what we have access to and what growers have access to and um, on the market. And I wanted to be, I wanted to have that like information to be able to make good choices. Um, so I went back, um, got an MBA and that really inspired me to want to work for a smaller company. Um, in a smaller company, you get exposed to so many kind of like different um, facets of the organization. You get to work on so many um, unique things. And um, I started, got interested in working for um, like a startup company environment. Um, and about that same time, just fortunately, um, I found out about a company called Appeal Sciences. And they were um, just happened to be located in California. And they were also tackling um, big challenges facing the food system. But instead of trying to make plants um, more efficient and trying to produce more food, they were really focused on preserving the food that we do and are able to produce. So in that post-harvest space. Um, and that's, I thought that was really exciting too, to work on a different side of the industry and kind of come at the problem um, in a different way. Um, so we packed up the car, um, my husband and I and our dog, and we drove across the country um, and we've been um, in Santa Barbara um, ever since for the past um, two years. That's amazing, especially kind of rooting your passion in your undergrad years and then developing along the way. It goes to show that 
taking your time and shuffling through things and ideas and thoughts really leads you to what you want at the end of the road. And I think that also developing your sense of science into technology and business side of things, you have a leg up in talking to business people and people on the technology side of things and making, making sure that they know that science is such an important part in the food systems and what you're putting out into the world. Yeah. Um, so I know that you mentioned going from state to Arizona and then continuing work on the West Coast. I think it would be great to tell your side of moving, especially that big change. A lot of people correlate it to kind of like a big new state, like big new area of possibilities, which it is. But were there any challenges that you weren't expecting within your move? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think the biggest one was the decision to leave our community and our network. It's the known, you know, right? Like our family, our friends, um, it's, you know, where both my husband were, were born and raised and we didn't really, we traveled, but, um, the act of actually moving your life to, to somewhere and somewhere so far away is, it's a really big change. Um, so that for sure was, was daunting, um, but, you know, sometimes I think for us, it was you need to make decisions based on facts and kind of the, the opportunities there. But some of it's just a bit of intuition. And the more I, I learned about um, you know, the opportunity at Appeal, um, I thought, well, that's just that's a challenge I want to take on. And it was risky. I mean, at the time, um, Appeal was an unproven technology. They had no, no commercial products in market. Um, there was a lot of unknowns in terms of, you know, would this company be, be successful? Would I be successful? Um, you know, lots of questions floating around in your mind about, is this the right decision? Because obviously information is limited and you don't really know, you know, until you kind of jump in and try something. Um, but taking all the factors into consideration and kind of just that feeling that, you know, this was right and um, opportunities don't come, um, you know, every day. We just decided to do it. And I think, you know, part of it too was, it definitely felt scary, but also I think that um, we realized, you know, we're kind of in control of these decisions. And if we make this change, turns out not to be the right one for us, or, um, you know, we learned something we didn't know that we need to adjust, um, we can. So, you know, it's kind of that feeling that um, it's scary, but you're in control and the only one who can make those decisions for your life um, so we did it and, you know, happy to say that it was um, one of the best decisions we've, we've ever made. Um, Peel has been wonderful and, and continues to grow and now is um, kind of expanding um, our market presence and globally. And we're actually seeing the results of our technology um, in market and the impact it's having on reducing food waste. Um, so, yeah, it's really exciting, um, but it was very scary. It was a scary decision. I'm sure it was the best thing to see that accomplishment, making it to market and seeing all of that come to life. Um, but kind of leading into that, what would you tell young seniors ready to apply to jobs, especially within this time, because a lot of them are scared about pushing comfort zones, whether it be long distance or like I mentioned about not knowing what the future holds, what kind of advice would you give to them? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's such a, a difficult and important question because like you said, there's, you know, the, the normal and regular challenges of, you know, graduating and starting a career that are just, you know, everyday things. But now on top of that, we have, you know, economic challenges and environmental challenges and COVID-19. Um, so yeah, I can't imagine, you know, had the complexity of the decisions that are facing um, folks coming out of school right now. 
um, and definitely empathize with that. Um, but that said, you know, it's all about um, taking that first step. So I think that, you know, when I think back on my career, every decision seems, seems so daunting and big, but sometimes you just need to make that first move. So whether it's, you know, applying for a job that you're not sure if you're qualified for, for example, or applying for, you know, thinking about making a, a move into an industry that maybe is not something you're as familiar with, um, or making a physical move, you know, like we did. Um, it's, it's that often that small first step of replying to an email or, you know, agreeing to an interview or submitting an application um, that leads to something else. You know, I mentioned earlier about, um, you know, just deciding to uh, randomly, you know, take, take a botany class and that changed my entire career. Um, you never know how these small steps, you know, will, will result um, in big changes for you later. But I think it's, it's just taking, it's just taking that step, um, just doing it, just going for it, not being afraid to, um, and not thinking about it too much, not overthinking it, because you can always um, make different decisions um, later on. Yeah, that's great, especially not only for seniors, I feel like, but for freshmen, like you said, taking that botany class really helped you delve into something different, something new, and I think that it's important for freshmen to understand just as much as it is for seniors to understand when they're going out into the real world. Um, but kind of moving into the challenges that you deal with today, have you ever had an instance within your company or with a pot potential customer that you were dealing with that appeal that didn't understand the need or necessity for sustainability? And how did you kind of maneuver around that company or those people um, that didn't have the right mindset or didn't understand that sustainability ideas aren't really out of reach, they're within our capacity? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's something that we hear the word sustainability all the time, um, you know, and almost everything we do now, it's almost um, just, it's kind of buzzy. Um, but it has very real, like real world implications. And like you said, oftentimes it's, you know, well, how do the decisions that I make have an impact? Or, you know, why should a company or a business care that, you know, they're making choices that are leading to, you know, a more sustainable um, food system? Luckily, I would say on the business side of things, um, the idea that you should make business decisions around um, improving the sustainability of your operations um, or your company is becoming more commonplace. Um, I think people are realizing that it's just good business. So whether it's, you know, making a decision to use a different type of packaging, that's you know, switching from plastic to something that is uh, reusable, like paperboard, for example, or, you know, choosing to ship your products via sea freight versus air freight um, and the, you know, cost savings as well as greenhouse gas emissions that kind of come along with that. Adjustments to the supply chain. These are things that, you know, companies are uh, looking at every day just as part of their business model. It's no longer sustainability. Oh, that's something we should think about. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a good idea. It's good for the environment. It's a core part of, of businesses and the choices they make. Um, and that's very true um, at Appeal. Um, so we, the folks we work with, um, our, our suppliers and retailers that sell Appeal treated produce, um, they, they see it. They are automatically know it because they see the value to them um, on their retail shelves and into their bottom line. Um, so we don't have to do a lot of convincing and I'm happy to see that, you know, and that's true, not just of, for Appeal and, and the folks that we work with, but I would say kind of like more and more broadly. 
where the challenge I think really comes in, and I can say this as kind of like an individual, you know, consumer myself, um, is how do my choices really have an impact? Because um, you look around at these really big challenges, you know, right now we um, in California and really up and down the West Coast, you know, we're dealing with hundreds of wildfires, um, creating lots of challenges, not only for, you know, food producers like growers, but just for, for you know, individuals and their families. Um, we see, you know, these are the very real um, impacts from climate change. And these changes that we're seeing are the result of like small individual behaviors that happen every day. Um, you know, choices to, you know, um, compost or not compost, you know, take the bus or ride my bike versus um, uh, using my car um, to drive across town. These, all these little individual decisions add up to a lot. Um, so I think going back to kind of just that, making that decision to kind of change a certain pattern or change a certain behavior, you might not see, you know, the immediate impacts of that, but know that each one of those choices is contributing to a larger shift um, that will, will make a change. You know, one of the things I think that was really uh, shocking moving from North Carolina to California is, is all the open space here. So in, in North Carolina, you don't see it because we have lots of trees and it's really beautiful and green. And that's, that's the wonderful thing about North Carolina. Um, but here, at least where we are um, in California, Central California, it's more of an arid environment and there's not as many trees you can see, you know, for, for miles and miles. And when we had um, the, when the pandemic started earlier this year um, and the national emergency happened and the country really shut down and people weren't going to work and cars were off the interstates, um, we could look, so we have a mountain range right behind us, it's called the Santa Ana's Mountains. And um, on a normal day, they're only about a mile away, but on a normal day, um, it's pretty foggy. Um, and part of that's just the marine layer coming in from the ocean, but a lot of it is smog. And when um, folks, when, drive, when basically people stop driving to work, um, we have been able to see these mountains and, and details in these mountains that we have never seen. And it's, it's crazy. And it's one of those things you have to see in person to kind of understand it. Um, but we can see them clearer than we've ever seen them. And I think that, that tells me, like that is, that is a very visible um, result and indicator of how these behavior changes have an immediate impact um, on the environment. And so that was kind of a, um, a neat thing, of, you know, I would say a fortunate um, um, byproduct of, you know, what's happened um, with the pandemic, but um, a very visual representation of how each of these individual choices really do add up to a big impact. That's crazy to see that difference, especially like such a small difference in your daily lives, just like going to see like in your backyard, just going to see the mountains and then like being actually being able to see like the little tiny details, like you said, um, I'm sure that was like such a small thing in your day, but made such a difference when you were able to actually see them um, and see yeah. the details. But kind of going from there at your current position at like of being the director of regulatory affairs, what do you think is the most challenging part of your day and the most fulfilling part of your day, especially during COVID? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think it, the challenge and the opportunity is, is one in the same, and there's many, um, but the immediate one that comes to mind is, um, is the uncertainty. And that's a challenge because, you know, every day we individually are faced with uncertainty in terms of, you know, our jobs and what we're working on because we're responding to our customers' needs and what they're dealing with. And because we are manufacturing a food product that's used by the produce industry, 
that industry is heavily affected by I mean, the ability to move food around, what's happening with the grocery stores right now, and their ability to like access the same um, food um, channels that they're used to, to having access to, um, a whole host of things. Um, so we're individually responding to those challenges um, every day in terms of how we're operating and where we're located so we can better service them. Um, specifically in regulatory, um, our team's responsibility is to, um, it's several things, but one of the primary things that we do for the company is get um, regulatory approvals. And we're working with, you know, governments to get access for our technology in the United States, um, in China, and in other places. And um, in order to do that, we need to be able to communicate with, um, with these policymakers. But of course, they're all very focused on, you know, other things right now as they should be, um, which is like the safety of um, their communities and the decisions they're making to support um, their constituents and their communities. So it does make things challenging um, because, you know, we want to, we need to continue to move the business forward in this environment where everyone's facing these challenges. Um, that said, there is incredible opportunity in that uncertainty and we have completely changed the way we work. So we went from a mostly um, like co-working organization where we all worked in the same building um, to now we're, we're basically virtual. And what we found in making that shift is that we're not only like more flexible as a company, um, but individually it's given us a lot of like freedom in our personal lives to kind of adjust our schedules and how we work. Um, so there's, you know, like definitely um, like pros and cons <laughs> um, and blessings and curses to it, but um, we're learning a lot and sometimes being forced to make changes is the best way to find um, more creative ways of getting things done. That's very true. I feel like in work and school, you can say the same thing and kind of yeah. going into the flexibility of things, you're given the flexibility of working. How do you get that distinction of ending your day and then um, having that personal time with you and your family? Because I know a lot of people, even within school, have a very hard time of making that distinction of, I can yes. do it until I go to bed, but then your mind is always in school or always in work. Absolutely. I think the challenges are the same as those who are maybe you know, working a full-time job versus those who are a full-time student or some combination of the two. Because you no longer have those same boundaries that you had before in your life, whether it was going into an office or a more, you know, traditional like workday hours. Um, students are now moving online. They're used to going to class. I chose specifically, I could have done actually my program, my MBA completely online, but I didn't do that because I knew I needed the structure of, of going into class. Um, so it's for sure disrupting, you know, everyone's um, the schedule and the way like they work best. Um, so all facing the same challenges. And that, so I think that, you know, the solutions and the opportunities to kind of manage that are very similar. Um, it's a constant struggle. I'm not going to pretend like this is easy. I think this is actually like one of the hardest things we're dealing with. Um, there really isn't as much separation between work and life. And for some people, that's okay when you, you know, love your career and you're passionate about it. Um, I can certainly relate to that. But when it comes to, you know, the family piece, you know, what, what, what do you do? How do you, how do you make those boundaries? And you're the only one who can set them. I, it took me a while to kind of re, to realize that where it's like, you know, well, you know, people are scheduling meetings like so early and so late um, over other meetings, um, for example. And, you know, it's like, how do you find, how do you find that time? You just have to draw the line. You know, if you're not able to meet with someone at a certain time, just let them know and propose an alternative um, option. We've started doing um, something called productivity pods, where we are reserving time each week where it's, you know, 
no, no meetings. Um, you could translate that, you know, to, to other no, no meetings with your um, teammates, for example, if you're, um, you know, in school. But it's like that block. It's an hour and a half block um, where no one's allowed to touch it. It's, you know, your time to do what you need. And while that's something that, you know, Appeal is choosing to do, you can also do that yourself, you know, with your own time. Find your own productivity pod time or, you know, family time. Reserve that, block it on the schedule. And then the second part of that, and actually the harder part, is, is honoring it. Um, because it's really easy to, to say, yep, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, after 6 p.m. tonight, I'm going to turn off the computer. Um, that's actually the hardest part. So it's a lot of personal accountability and responsibility to really follow through with those boundaries that you set. So setting them, but following through with them and start small, because if you make too many, too many plans, it's just going to feel, you know, overwhelming. Um, for example, you know, if you want to start like working out and changing your work schedule, you know, and um, maybe, you know, finding time to like spend with your children in the evenings and you want to do all this kind of like in one day, maybe that's a bit much. Um, so find time to kind of spread it out in a way that I think makes sense um, for you. Yeah, small steps to create a bigger outcome, I think is perfect. And then uh, one of the last questions pertaining to kind of your professional career is, Applying your professional career to your hobbies and interests, do you think that your professional career at Appeal has changed the way that you interacted or you start to interact with the environment? Yes, for sure. You know, I mentioned earlier that um, most um, people who maybe are, are not in the food or agriculture industry um, you know, don't, don't know so much about where their food comes from or what it takes to produce it. And that's, that's normal. We have a lot of conveniences um, available to us now um, between like online shopping and delivery um, and, you know, various other things where it's just, it's made very easy for us to not have to know things um, about how food is produced. And even I can say being on the side of things, <laughs> on the side of the industry that is responsible and a part of food production, I still know very little about how food is produced. And the reason I say that is because our global food system is so diverse and so complex and there's so many different facets to it. Um, you change one thing, you know, in one country and it can have a really big impact in another. And I think for, for me, the biggest thing that I've learned is that um, I always have, have more to learn, but also how interconnected, um, how interconnected everything is and how you know, one um, choice um, here, one policy decision here can make a, a big change on the other side. And um, for me, I think just that realization has made me more open um, and more uh, like willing to, to learn and try new things. Um, so I'd say it's like that openness um, part of it um, has really been like the biggest piece. Um, and working for a company that's in uh, startup growth mode is learning experience every day. <laughs> um, every day I feel like I'm full of, have, complete, you know, full plate of personal development opportunities, which is wonderful um, because you're dealing with all kinds of challenges around, you know, trying to, um, trying to scale a, a new business. And that's really exciting and comes with um, a lot of challenges, but it's also very rewarding. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's so fulfilling to always go to work every single day and feel like you can learn more and do more with whatever you're given throughout the day. So even if it's hard, I'm sure it's fulfilling at the same time, like you said. So now on to kind of like two fun little questions. The first one is if you could travel to the future in a time machine, maybe like five to 10 years away from now and tell your future self something, what would you tell them? Oh gosh, 
don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> I think my, my career has been defined by, as probably for, for many people, just being too hard on myself and feeling like, you know, I didn't do something perfectly or execute, you know, presentation exactly the way I wanted to, um, or respond to an email, you know, was, you know, exactly when I wanted to, I mean, I thought, you know, too late or, you know, just always feeling like you're never enough or not doing enough and just being way too hard on, you know, myself. So I would say, don't do that. Um, if I could uh, kind of speak to my, in the future, back to my, you know, current or younger self, that that would be, that would be the, the one thing I would say. You know, every day is a, is a learning experience and a chance to change um, and to do things differently. So as long as you're like learning and growing and taking those lessons and applying them um, as you move forward um, to write your own story, you're going in the right direction. <laughs> you know, it's okay um, to not be, to not be perfect. And often the things that you see um, that you um, aren't happy with are things that no one else sees or even knows about because they're, you know, personal to yourself. Um, so I think that would be the biggest thing I would say. Um, just take a deep breath, uh, roll with it, and continue to grow. <laughs> yeah, especially with like failing sometimes leads you to the biggest things that make such a difference in your life. And I feel like you said that don't hold yourself to such a high standard or like to a standard where you think that you have to be perfect all the time can apply to people my age uh, going through college and then also people your age in work, in a work area, work system, work life. So I think that's a great perspective. And the last question, we're all going through really, really tough challenges, whether it be personally, professionally, both, or across the board. But I, I believe that we still have things in our life that makes us really, really happy and really, really motivated to live for the next day. So what's something in the past day, week, or month that has made your life very, very happy that you weren't even expecting it to make your life very, very happy. Hmm. I love that. Um, you know, I think the, the th first thing that comes to mind is I have wanted to do this for a very long time, but ever, ever since um, I was old enough to vote, I have always wanted to work the polls. Um, and I never done it just because I always think I'm too busy or, you know, I don't, I don't have time for that. Um, but I just uh, received an email about um, from Power the Polls, and they were looking for people um, to help run um, polling stations leading up to and on election day. Um, apparently, they're expecting a shortage, even though there'll be, there'll be lots of mail-in voting, um, because uh, folks who tend to work the polls tend to be um, an older generation that is more susceptible to um, the effects of COVID-19. They should stay home. Um, so they're a bit worried about shortages. So I received this and I thought, oh, wow, like what a perfect opportunity. So I've never done it. I signed up. I hope I get selected. Um, I don't actually know if, if I will get selected uh, yet. I applied to do it. But um, just signing up for that felt so good because I think the first thing is oftentimes it can feel, especially now where we're all just kind of like stuck at home and, you know, we're not, it doesn't feel like what we're doing is tangible sometimes because it's a lot of time on the computer. Um, you're not, we're not really getting our hands. We're not seeing people face to face, um, being able to interact. Um, and it, just signing up for that felt good because it felt like, okay, like I've, you know, this is one thing I can do. It is in my control. It's not, it's kind of a simple thing. 
Um, but I am, and, and it's a tangible way to kind of have an impact um, too on um, a really important year uh, for us um, as a country. So I just thought that this will be fun. So we'll see what happens, but just signing up uh, actually made me feel great <laughs> to That's do amazing. that. amazing. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love, because a lot of people would say like the minuscule things like, oh, which is very good, like having or spending time with your family and all of that. But it's like the small things that you get throughout the day, like getting a mail that you can and uh, go and help out with voting and change yeah. the future in like such a small way, but you still do have such an impact on the future with helping out with voting, um, especially right now in this uh, day and age that we're living in. So yeah, thank you so much, Catherine, for taking the time out to talk to us about your passion and your story from state. Uh, I hope everybody got some good insight about dealing with big challenges, uh, big changes, and also finding happiness in different phases of their life. And I just want to thank you again, Katie. Thank you, Ronnie. It's been a pleasure. Take care. The NC State Career Development Center prepares and empowers students to identify and pursue their career goals. Stop by Pullen Hall to learn more. Thank you for listening to Wolfpack Career Chats, and we hope to see you around campus. Have a packtacular day.